Hallelujah. Are you thankful to be in the house of the Lord today? Are you thankful to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. It is an honor to be back here in the house of the Lord. Amen. We're thankful to be in God's house, which is a great opportunity anytime we can get here. You should be thankful that you're in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Man, I give honor to your pastor today in their absence. Man, a man that I love very dearly, praying for their safe travels, him and his wife, amen, as they are um, going about, man, and uh, I'm just thankful to be in the house of the Lord today. I feel today in my spirit that I feel like God wants to try to help somebody today. I feel like God is reaching for somebody. Man, I couldn't get away from the direction. I noticed last service we started to kind of step in a vein and direction. And I don't feel like I've been able to really get away from that with praying and seeking after the face of the Lord. And uh, I just want to continue to be obedient to the Holy Ghost today. Does anybody want God just to show up in this house today? He's already been working. He's already been moving. Man, so thankful to have my wife here with me today. I love and appreciate her. Amen. If you have your Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 1. 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 1. Thank you, sound team. This is perfect. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I'm telling you, they get a lot of flack sometimes. But you got to appreciate the sound, the media ministry for all that they do. Amen. Because one ring in these monitors and you wouldn't like it. You wouldn't want to be listening to me today. Amen. Chapter 15, verse 1. And Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, hearken unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay them, slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. Skipping down to verse 7, and Saul smote the Amal Amalekites, from Havilah until thou comest to Shur, that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. Amen. Going to verse 9. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and of the lambs and all that was good. It was good in the eyes of Saul. And would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refused, that they destroyed utterly. This is skipping down to verse 20. And Saul has made this choice and decision. And um, Saul saying unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag the king of Amalekite, the Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. 
But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Have the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. In verse 23, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and the stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Amen. I, I want to preach today from the thought, the title, the contrast of mercy and judgment. I want you to say that with me. The contrast of mercy and judgment. Now, one more time before you're seated, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to lift up your voice. And one more time, I want you to set your mind on Jesus right now. Come on, all across this house, I want you to lift up your voice. Come on, I want you to boldly declare the name of Jesus right now. Oh, I feel today's an opportunity for somebody to have some mercy in their life. I feel today's an opportunity for God to be able to touch and minister to somebody right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I love you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Man, why don't you give the Lord a hand and clap of praise as you are seated. contrast of mercy and judgment. The God that we serve is a righteous judge. Scripture will let us know that God judges in righteousness. He is above right and wrong. God is sovereign and supreme. He does as he pleases. He moves according to his will and purpose. Amen. We also know that God is a merciful Father. Amen. I believe that how we know God and to the level that we know Him is up to us. We can know God simply as just the judge that extends His hand and judges humanity. Or we can know God as the merciful Father that reaches down and begins to, to touch humanity. But that lies in our choice and decision it lies in, in how humanity will respond to the goodness and the, the faithfulness of God and the mercy of God. Amen. I want you to know that God has not dealt with us today according to what we deserve. Scripture even lets us know that God has not judged us according to our sins. God has not given us of, of what we truly deserve in our life. I'm telling you, God's been good to some people in this house today. God's been faithful to you. Amen. Even when we haven't been faithful to God, God's been faithful to us. Amen. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22 says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Amen. Verse 23 says, They are new every morning. Amen. Great is thy faithfulness. Amen. Everything that we have today is because of the goodness of of God. It's because of the faithfulness of God. I don't know about you, but I want mercy working in my life. 
Hey, man, I'm telling you, I want mercy working in my life. I don't want God to give me what I deserve today. I don't want God to judge me according, hey, man, to my behavior and according to my decisions and according, hey, man, to all of the things that human beings make the mistakes. But we need the mercy of God working in our life. Hey, man, God is faithful. We know that he is a compassionate God. Passion is made up of two things. It's come, which is with, together, and passion is to suffer. God is willing to step down and suffer with humanity. We serve a God that is willing to pick us up and willing to put us into a different place than where we're living in and pull us out of the darkness of sin and confusion. And all the while, while God is so gracious and merciful, hey man, it lies in the response of man and how they are going to respond. Amen. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 15, it talks about a man named Saul. Saul is the first king of Israel. He's the first king that's instituted to lead uh, the people of Israel. And at this point, Saul has been anointed. He's standing in this place, Saul on the outside. He has he has all of the perfection of the standard. When when man would look on the outside, they would look and see that Saul, uh, it, it, he is perfected. He, he fits the image to what we want as a king. He fits uh, exactly what we want him to be. And the, the Bible says that head and shoulders, he was head and shoulders uh, above all the people. When you looked at Saul, he was mighty. He was strong. He was the, the perfect example to what we thought would be a king. He's standing in that place, and the people are looking, and they love Saul. And somewhere along the way that Saul goes along, and God gives Saul some instructions. He tells Saul, Saul, I, I want you to utterly destroy the Amalekites. I want you to destroy the Amalekites because I remember what Amalek did to Israel. I want you to destroy them. I want you to, to, to utterly destroy them. I don't want anything to stay alive. I, I don't want anything to be living in that place. I want you to utterly kill it, Saul. I want you to destroy it. I don't want you to save woman. I don't want you to save man. I don't want you to save the cattle. I don't want you to save the best of anything. I want you to utterly destroy it. God's instructions were very clear. God had established what he wanted Saul to do. The word was very clear that it was declared unto him, and, and God told him, I don't want you to spare one thing. I want you to act. I want you to move. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 15, and verse 7 and 8, that Saul smote the Amalekites. He began to gather the people, and he began to do what God had told him to do. And so Saul begins to smite the Amalekites, and he, and he took King Agag alive. And so he's, he's partially done what God has told him to do. Saul, standing in this place, he spares what God tells him to destroy. God said, I want you to utterly destroy it. I don't want there to be one area that, that, it, it, that is kept alive. I want you to utterly destroy these people. I want you to utterly destroy these things that are before you because uh, if you don't destroy this one day, uh, I'm telling you, it'll come back and destroy you. And so I, I need you to understand something, Saul. Uh, the choice and decision that you're making right now, uh, it's not just for you, uh, but it's for everybody in your life. Uh, it's not just for you, Saul. Uh, 
but it's for your family. It's not just for you, Saul, but it's for all of Israel. Saul spares, and he begins to keep King Agag. It, everything that seemed to be valuable in his eyes, Saul began to keep. Can I tell you, and pause for a moment, it matters about God's perspective on the, on the things that God tells us to destroy. It matters about what God's perspective is and not what our perspective of the flesh is. Can I tell you that the flesh is contrary to the mind of God? If you listen to your flesh, your flesh will get you in trouble every time. If you listen to your flesh, I'm telling you, your flesh will lead you in places that you never desire to go. If you allow yourself to succumb, amen, to the mind of the flesh, Paul told the church in Romans, in Romans chapter 8, verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be because the mind of God, your mind today, my mind today, it wars against the mind of God. There's something within that nature of the flesh that the moment that God begins to speak something to us is the moment that we begin to resist. Begin to resist what God begins to speak and and we have to establish in our life that the Word of God must have preeminence. What does that mean? The Word of God must be first in your life. There can't be anything that stands in between you and God. There can't be one thing that stands in between you and your walk with God. There has to be a level of devotion that says the Word is supreme in my life. has to be supreme in our life. It has to be primary in our world. I've preached and I've said it already here before. I know that it's not in popular opinion, but you can't base upon what you do upon the opinion of others or what you think is best for you. Baby, you got to get into that word and you have to say, what did Jesus say? What did his word say? Hey, I know that some would say, well, it's not a big deal. You know what? That sin doesn't matter. I, I, it won't do anything to my life. It won't do anything to my family. It's just a little thing. It's the little foxes that spoil. Fine. It's the little things that make a difference. It's the little things that cause damage and impact when they're ignored. Because you can ignore something small that seems so insignificant, but, but in reality it'll come along the way and it'll begin to cause havoc and damage in your life. Can I tell you today for just a moment what I feel so strongly? You cannot allow one little sin to be able to live in your life and have dominion in your life. Because I'm telling you, it may seem like you can get by with it right now, but there'll be a day that it comes and all of your world, world will begin to implode on itself and, and all of a sudden your family will begin to implode because there's not one thing that we can get by with that it won't make the difference in our walk with God. Hey man, the word of God must have preeminence in our life. Hey man, Saul 
The Bible begins to tell Samuel and Saul makes this choice and decision. Amen. That the Lord tells Samuel, Saul has turned his back from me. Saul thought it wasn't a big deal, me simply just sparing these things. It wasn't a big deal, me just keeping Agag. It wasn't a big deal for me just allowing a little bit of disobedience in my life. No, no, surely it's not a big deal. I can still come to church and I can still work. Worship God, and I, I can still sing, and I can still dance, and I can still lead worship. No, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. He thought in that moment, surely this disobedience, it won't make a big deal. Surely my rebellion won't be a big deal in the eyes of God. Hallelujah. Saul standing in this place, he was a backslidden king and didn't realize it. Saul standing in this place, he didn't realize it. He was going through all of the motions. He was going through the routine, but he didn't understand. As in one place, in one moment in time, he was anointing of God. But in another moment in time, because he thought disobedience wasn't a big deal. So he's standing in the place, and he's around the king. He's around Israel. He's standing in the place that God called him to be, but he does not understand that he he is so far from God. Could it be that we could be in the house today uh, but not understand that how far we are from God uh, because it's not what's going on on the outside. Uh, it's what's going on on the inside. Uh, God's not just simply looking at you today uh, what's on the outer shell of the flesh. Uh, to everybody else in the world, uh, they thought Saul was perfect. Uh, Saul was right. Uh, he's the king. Uh, he's the chosen one. But the reality is on the inside, Saul was far from God. The reality, a disobedient heart, it was separating him from God. Even though Saul thought, wow, why, why does it really matter? Come on, Samuel, just let me go worship the Lord. I can still worship the Lord in this condition. I can still worship the Lord in my disobedience. Come on, I just want to feel him. I just want to be able to touch him, even though I'm not standing in the place of being right before him. telling you that's the biggest lie and deception of the flesh that when we are truly far from God we don't think anything of it and we think that we can fool somebody but I'm telling you you can't fool God it is a tragedy to be standing in a place where the answer to life is where the call of God is where the purpose of God is but we stand in a place not right with God It didn't have to be this way with Saul. This didn't have to be the experience with Saul, but, but Saul didn't think it was a big deal. God considers Saul's partial obedience as disobedience. God considered his partially obeying as disobedience in his eyes. God considered his partial obedience as him walking away from his ways. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter what me as a preacher thinks of you. It doesn't matter what your neighbor thinks of you. What matters is what God thinks about you. It matters what God 
God says about your heart. It matters. Hallelujah. The Bible records in 1 Corinthians 5 and 6 that, that your glorying is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Paul was speaking, speaking to the, the church in Corinth and and they were having an issue and problem, and there was sin going on in the church, and, and, it, and it wasn't in a place where they were standing with remorse, or they were standing grieved and sad, but they were standing in a place where they were almost puffed up and a, and a little bit arrogant about it, and they, 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 weren't, they weren't making a big deal, hey man, about the little leaven, and Paul wrote unto them, he said, I want you to understand, a little bit of yeast, a little bit of leaven in the dough, it makes a difference. Some of you know how to bake. And when you put a little bit of that leaven in there, it makes a difference. It begins to arise. It begins to expand. Can I tell you one little bit of disobedience in your life? It's going to make all of the difference. Oh. Hallelujah. One little bit of sin. Oh, it'll make the difference. It'll begin to wreck your family. Can I tell you what secret sins will do? Hey, man, it'll tear up your family. It'll tear up your kids. It'll tear up your church. It'll tear up everything that you love. Hey, man, because sin is never, it never just affects one party. It always affects everybody else. When you make a choice and decision, hear me today, man. Hear me today, ma'am. The moment that you make that decision, you're not making a decision. Just on your own, making a decision that will begin to affect you. It'll begin to affect all of your life and all your family. Hey, man, Saul didn't see anything wrong with this. He didn't see anything wrong with what he did. It was enough in his eyes. Taking a little bit of the word was enough. Can I tell you today that you need all of the word? You don't need just a little bit of the word. Hey, you can't take pages out of the letter that says, well, I'll apply that to my life and, and, and I'll follow this scripture. But you know what? On this scripture, I'm not following that. Amen. I'm not standing in that place. No, that doesn't apply to my life. I'm telling you, you need to flip to these pages of the word of God. And that says every letter, every line. The Bible says line upon line, precept upon precept. It is mine. Every aspect, it has to be, hey man, vitally important. Hey man, that we apply it to our life. That's the biggest trick and the lie of the enemy. Hey man, this is the same thing that the serpent did with Eve. He took a little bit of the word. He took a little bit of truth and he mixed it with deception. He took a little bit of that one God message and worshiping and, and shouting and praising and allowed that one part to be there. But I'll mix a little bit of deception in there. I'll mix a little bit in there. And all of a sudden, all of it's compromised. All of it's compromised today. I'm telling you, I want to let somebody know today, hey man, it is a big deal. Hey man, where your heart is, it is a big deal. How you're living your life, it's a big deal. What you do in private when nobody is looking around. Uh, we can't decide what we will and will not obey when it comes to God's written and spoken word. Samuel begins to confront Saul. 
Saul begins to blame the other people. No, they begin to bring these, these, these sheep and oxen. Saul wasn't taking responsibility for his choices and decisions. He was making excuses, and he thought, well, I, I can bring the best because he was looking with his carnal eye uh, that surely God will accept this uh, because on the outside, this is the best thing uh, that I can do. But Saul forgot the most uh, important thing. It wasn't about the perception of people. It was about pleasing God. It was about pleasing him. Saul thought, surely, well, Samuel, let's go. Go with me so I can sacrifice again. Go with me so I can stand in that place and sacrifice. And, and Samuel says to him, don't you understand that 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 God desires obedience, that obedience is better than sacrifice. Well, well, preacher, I came to the church today, but no, it's not just in you coming to the church today. Hey, man, it's you saying, God, I will be obedient to your word. He told him, look, I want you to understand, God desires obedience. Hey, man, David had this revelation in Psalms 51 when he repented of his sins. He understood that God delights in a broken and contrite heart. He realized God wasn't just delighting in the sacrifices and me coming and bringing something to him, but he was delighting in where my heart was. He got the revelation of what he really desires. He allowed this stubbornness and this iniquity. It was so serious in the mind of God that the comparison with rejecting the word of God was like as witchcraft. It was such a big deal that he likened it to be the same. This is how serious it was in the eyes of God. The Bible lets us know that God begins to reject Saul. Saul's rejection of the word led to God's rejection of Saul. It didn't have to be this way with Saul. It didn't have to be that he would walk out in this way and living his life. But the moment that Saul made up in his mind, I'm going to reject the word of God. I'm going to reject, amen, doing things right. Amen, could it be that our perspective about mercy and the judgment of God is all wrong? Could it be that our perspective about God today, amen, is a little convoluted? Could it be that, that God, really didn't just judge Saul but that Saul judged himself the moment that he rejected the word of God. Hey man, I started out this message with telling you that God is a merciful God. He desires to save. He desires to redeem. He desires to heal. But the moment that we reject his mercy oh, we stand in a place where he has to judge. The moment that we reject the mercy of God, the Bible lets us know that every time there is an opportunity to have mercy. The Bible lets us know that God delights in mercy. Micah 7 and 18 says, Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not in his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. God delights in giving an opportunity for mercy. God delights in giving opportunity and mercy to the individual, to his church. 
amen, and to all those that are lost. I'm telling you, there's a God that is interested in saving and redeeming you and picking you up out of bondage and picking you up out of the sin that you're living in. Amen. But it's up to us to respond to the mercy of God. Amen. Mercy is the unfailing devotion. Mercies of God is unfailing devotion. God says, I'm so committed to you that I will go as far as you go. I love you so much that I'll go as far as I need to go. The Bible lets us know that it is his unfailing love. Amen. Psalms 86 and 5 says, For thou, O Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy. This is the catch unto all them that call upon thee. God is ready to forgive. God is ready to restore. God is ready to redeem. But it's up to us to call upon him. God has plenty of mercy and he's ready to forgive. He's ready to restore. He's ready to pick you up out of the mess. Another component of God's mercy is that his mercy endures forever. Mercy endures forever. God says, as long as you keep on responding to me, I'll keep going leaps and bounds to pick you up out of your mess. As long as you keep responding to the word, I'll pick you up out of your trouble. As long as you keep responding, every time that I try to reach down to you, I'll pick you up. I'm telling you, the God that we serve is big enough to pick you up out of your addiction to pornography. The God that we serve is able to pick you up out of the confusion and the depression in your life. telling you today, we need to look at the hand of God just a little bit differently today and understand God's standing at the door and he's willing to do anything and he's willing to forgive me and he's willing to restore me and his mercy will endure. That means his mercy will be there. He'll stand there. But what will we do? The world says, well, we, why would I serve a God that is a, a, a judgmental God? It seems like uh, everything in that book and everything in that Bible uh, just tells people what they can't do. Uh, I've told you, and I'll say it again, uh, it's because he's a jealous God, uh, and God looks, uh, and he says, I'm interested in having mercy on you, uh, even when you don't understand everything that I'm about. Uh, I'm interested in restoring you, uh, even when you don't want to be restored yourself, uh, but I'm needing you to respond to me. I'm needing you to act. I'm needing you to move. I'm needing you to get out of the place that you're standing in. Oh. He said in Psalms 107, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for his, for he is good and his mercy endureth forever. 
Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. I said that his mercy endures and it is lasting, but God is also able to deliver us out of the hand of the enemy. He says, I'll pick you up out of that place. I'll pluck you from the hand of the enemy. It doesn't matter how long you've been bound in sin. It doesn't matter how long you've been bound in confusion. It doesn't matter how long you've been bound in deception. It doesn't matter how long you've been bound in all kind of sins. He says, I'll pluck you out of the hand of the enemy. Can I tell you this afternoon, you don't have to stay in the condition that you're in. You don't have to stay in the place of confusion that you're in. I'm telling you, in the Holy Ghost today, you can come out. You can come out in the Holy Ghost. You can break out of the addiction. You can break out of the confusion. You can come out of the pain. on the mind of God. I'm telling you today that when we reject the mercy of God, we judge ourselves unworthy. It's not that simply God judges us, but when we reject him, we say, God, I don't want your mercy. I'm telling you one of the ways that God's mercy is enacted on our life, that every time that we come to church, we can feel his presence. We can hear the word of God preached. We can hear songs sang. And every time that we come to church, God's given us an opportunity to get it right. God's given us an opportunity to change. God's given us an opportunity, hey man, to do things just a little bit differently. He says, I'm going to give you that mercy, but it's up to you to respond. Oh, you may not see it this way, but the reality of it is, is every time that God says, here, this is what I'm trying to give you, and you say, I want you to reach out your hand, Brother Jonathan, and you say, no, that's not what I want. Every time that the mercy of God and the word of God goes forth, you say, God, no, I don't want that. Every time that God says, I'm interested in delivering you from the lies and the deceptions that you're living in your heart that nobody in your family knows, but God knows, and nobody knows the secret sins that are in your life. And God says every time, I'm telling you, I love you so much that I'm not... I'm not giving you what you deserve. I'm not judging you according to your sins. Could it be that sometimes when we don't see the judgment of God right away in our lives, that we think that God's okay with it, but the reality God is saying, will you simply respond to my forbearance? Will you simply respond to my love? Will you simply respond to my mercy? Oh, will you respond to me? Will you respond to my love? Will you respond to my mercy? I'm telling you, I don't care who hasn't loved you in your life. I don't care who has abused you and taken advantage of you. I want you to understand that God loves you so much. He's saying, I just need you to work. I need you to move. I need you to make a step. I need you to step out in faith. I need you to let me touch you. No, no, he's not trying to judge you today. He's trying to save you. You have a choice. Amen. You can walk out, amen, the same way that you walked in, or you can walk out and say, I've had enough. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of living this way. 
I'm tired of living on two sides. I'm tired of doing one thing and doing another. I'm tired of living the lies. I'm tired of going through the motions. I'm tired of playing games with God. I'm telling you, somebody in the house today, you just got to make up your mind. I'm tired of living in this pig's pen. I'm tired of living like this. I want to come out. I want to be delivered. I want to be saved free. I want to respond to the word of God. I don't need mercy. That's what you say when you walk out of this house knowing that you need deliverance. But you know what happens sometimes is that pride will keep us from getting exactly what we need. Because I rather, well, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Because pride would say I rather just keep the perspective and, and, the, and the perception of people than for allow me to allow my heart to be broken before God. You know why? That Saul was saying, Samuel, come on, let's just go with me so I can go worship. You know why? It was because Saul was worried about the perception of people. It didn't really matter what God was saying, and so he was hindering himself. God was a merciful God. He was willing to forgive Saul, but Saul said, I don't need mercy. I'm not interested in what God's about. I'm interested in the perspective of the people. As long as everybody else thinks that everything is all right, then I'll just keep on going. Oh, I'll just keep on going. I'll just keep on doing it. I'll keep just going about life. And that word comes to you. Even right now as I preach something like this and and conviction begins to settle on people. You can have a choice and you have a response that you can make. You can say, well, this preacher doesn't know what he's talking about. Hey, man, what is he talking about today? Who does he think he is to preach like that? I don't need that in my life. He doesn't know my story. He doesn't know how I'm living. And you know what? Some of you, you can walk out of this house and you can talk yourself out of a miracle. You can talk yourself out of healing. You can talk yourself out of deliverance. Hey, man, because you reject the mercy. Of God. Oh. Somebody right now, I want you to lift up your voice and pray. I'm telling you all across this house right now, I'm telling you, we need to pray. Come on, lift up your voice. I'm telling you, when the word comes to you, there has to be a cleaving that says, I have to cleave to the word of God. And when Paul was preaching at Mars Hill, he was preaching the word of God. And the Bible says that there were some that mocked. <coughs> 
There were some that said, we'll hear you again on this matter. And there were some that claved to the word of God. They claved to Paul. They weren't cleaving simply to Paul. They were cleaving to the word. I'm telling you, somebody in this house today, you don't need to just simply say, well, I'll hear you again on this matter. You need to say, I need mercy in my life. And I'm telling you, I got to get up from where I am. I got to get up from where I'm living. I got to dust off my, my prayer life. I got to dust off some things. I got to get some things right with God and I'm going to respond to the mercy of God. We can easily just brush it off and say, well, that's not for me. No. No, that's that's, that's not for me today. I'm telling you today, God's given somebody an opportunity. God's given somebody a chance. God's given somebody the opportunity to say, I'm ready to change. I'm ready to do something differently. I'm telling you, I begin to pray and ask God for direction for this service. Hey, man, and there's things that I want to preach. Hey, man, that we can go hoorah and run around and shout and go. But I'm telling you, God is so interested in reaching somebody that your life would be transformed and your life would change. God would send a preacher to preach a message like this so that you can come out of your mess, that you can come out of your sin, that you can come out of your bondage so that you can be transformed, so that you can come out of it. It says, I'm breaking out of this place because you know what happens is when you don't respond to mercy, when you don't respond to God. Well, you don't respond to what he's trying to do. You know what begins to happen? That everything in your world begins to fall apart progressively. I've seen it in people's life. Hey, man, where they just thought, well, I'm the exception to the rule, and it doesn't apply to me. And they kept on playing games with God, and it was in a matter of time. Hey, man, where things just begin to fall apart in their life and their world. Hey, man, I remember being a teenager. Hey, man, and my life wasn't right, and my heart wasn't right with God and I was looking and I wanted the mercy of God on my life and I remember saying God have mercy on me God just give me one more opportunity amen God let me just get out of this place that I am right now God I don't want to stay in this place God I don't want to live in this place but God will you give me mercy and I'm telling you it's up to us we decide how will we know him Will you be able to walk out of the house and say that I know him as the merciful father? Or will you walk out of the house that says that I am condemned? When Jesus looked at the young rich ruler and he said, I've done all that I needed to do. Amen. But Jesus looked at him and said, thou lackest one thing. It was one thing that made the difference. He said, go and sell all that you have. It was that one thing in that man's life that made a big deal that he wasn't willing to surrender. The Bible doesn't let us know if he sold all or not, but the Bible does tell us that he walked away sorrowfully. He walked away sorrowfully because it was one thing. 
Can I tell you, man, I feel it so strongly today. And I'm telling you, I feel burdened today in the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you, it'll be one thing that separates you from God. There'll be one thing that makes a difference between eternity. There'll be one thing that keeps you out from walking in the place. Amen. Some of you, amen, you're new in this house and God's been helping you. You've been able to see what the power of God does when you just simply respond. I'm telling you, if you'll keep on responding to his mercy and you just keep on getting up and saying, God, I'm interested in doing what's right. God, I'm interested in standing and right before you. I'm coming to a close. I'm across this house stand. I'm telling you, let the spirit of prayer fill this house right now. It was simply just a response. Amen. I close with this in 2 Samuel chapter 24. David makes a, a big mistake. David numbers the people. He, he begins to make a mistake in numbering them and and the moment that it's completed, David's heart is convicted. And David recognizes that he's the sin that he commits, and, and David doesn't try to hide and cover his sin, but the Bible tells us uh, immediately that David begins to pray to God. The Lord reveals to the prophet Gad, which is the seer in David's life, and, and he tells him, I want you to go tell David to choose one of three consequences. One, David, do you want seven years of famine to come unto thy land? Two, David, will you flee three months while your enemy pursues you? Or, or David, maybe just three days of pestilence in thy land. And, and David understood something that when he responded to God, uh, when he responded to the man of God, he said, I'd rather be in the hands of God for his mercies are great. I'd rather not be in the hands of man. I'd rather, I'd rather not be in the hands of man. I'd rather be in the hands of God. And, and David could have stayed in his sins in that place and moment, but David decided to respond to the mercy and grace of God. You can begin to play. David decided that I'm going to respond to the mercy and grace of God. I'm going to respond to what God's doing in my life. I'm going to humble myself before the Lord. David could have walked out that day and allowed himself to be standing in the same place that he was. But David's choice, it not only affected him, but it affected his family, and it affected all of Israel. It affected his children. That moment that David said, I'm going to respond to the mercy of God. I'm going to respond to the mercy of God. Can I tell you today, friend, that when you respond, it's not just making a difference in your life, but it's making a difference in everybody else's life. It's making a difference in your family's life. The Bible would go on when David was interested in stopping the plague. Gad told him, I want you to go. The Lord says, I want you to go and build an altar and sacrifice unto the Lord. David wasn't more interested interested in just sacrificing and his heart not being right with God. David stood in that place and David went to the threshing floor and David began to build an altar before the Lord. I'm telling you today, somebody in this house, 
You need to make up in your heart and your mind. I'm making a choice and decision today. And the choice and decision I today that I make, it's going to make all of the difference. I'm telling you, not everybody has to know about it. Not everybody in the room has to know what's going on in your world. But I'm telling you, today, we need to respond to the mercy of God. The Bible tells us how there was the sure mercies of David. Why did David have so much mercy in his life? Because David was more concerned about what God God thought about him than what people thought about him. There was mercy that filled his life all of his days. The Bible says, I will not pull, I will not depart, I will not remove mercy from his life. I'm telling you, if you're in need of mercy in this house, all you got to do is lift up your hands. All you got to do is repent of your sins. All you got to do is call out on the name of Jesus. All you have to do is say, Lord, I'm humbling myself before you today. And I'm telling you, God, I need you to simply touch me today. I need you to hear me today. I'm telling you, it's just in your response today. It's just in you moving today. It's just in you crying out today. All across this house, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to lift up your voice. I want you to begin to call on the name of Jesus. Come on, I want you to begin to call on the name of Jesus right now. I'm telling you right now, I'm opening up this altars and they're going to begin to sing. But I'm telling you right now, some of you, you know exactly who you are. And I'm telling you, you need to make a choice and decision today that I'm moving and I'm responding. Amen. To the mercy of God today. I want to walk out and I want to know him as the merciful father. I want to walk out and I don't want to know him simply as the judge. But I want to know him as the merciful father. I'm telling you, don't go through the motions right now. Come on, don't just go through the motions right now. I'm telling you right now, you need to humble yourself before the Lord. Come on, some of you, you need to humble yourself before the Lord right now. Come on, some of you, you haven't got the breakthrough that you need, and it's dependent upon you moving and responding to the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, as they begin to sing right now, I want you to begin to lift up your voice. I want you to begin to call on him. And I'm telling you, there's enough grace and mercy in this house. Hey, man, there's enough grace and mercy in this house. Hey, man, that the moment that you begin to respond to him is the moment, hey, man, that God would begin to liberate you. I'm telling you, you don't have to live in that place. I'm telling you, you can walk out today free. You can walk out today healed. You can walk out today restored. Come on. It's time to expose the secret things before the Lord says, God, here I am. Lord, I need your mercy today. I need your mercy.
telling you it's here right now come on there's mercy in the house right now come on there's power in the house right now oh come on that's it right now you gotta respond to him come on you gotta respond to him come on you gotta move you gotta respond to the word you gotta make you gotta make the choice and decision right now God I need you to work inside of my heart God I need you to wash me God I need you to renew me God I need you to change me this house you need to lift up your voice come on you need to lift up your voice come on you need to close your eyes come on saints of God I need you to help me right now this is not the time and moment to check out right now I'm telling you right now you need to get your mind on God come on you need to get your mind on him right now come on right now in this place you need to get your mind set your affections on things above right now God I need your mercy in this house God I need your mercy in this house God I need your love in this house God I need your mercy is in this house right now. The healer's in this house right now. The redeemer's in this house right now. I'm telling you, don't let yourself talk yourself out of experiencing exactly what God wants you to have today. music right now all across this house I want there to be voices I want everybody in this house praying right now amen from this platform all the way to the back right now come on I want you to lift up your voice and let the wave of the Holy Ghost right now sweep through this house 
Come on, right now. I'm telling you, there's change that God wants to break in this house right now. Come on, right now. There's things that God wants to do inside of your heart and your life. I'm telling you, church, saints of God, you need to lift up your voice. Because as you're lifting up your voice, God's doing something in somebody's life right now.